Good morning. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. I'm Janine. This is Get the Funk Out. And standing by to join me is Susan Senator. We're going to talk about her book, Autism Adulthood, Strategies and Insights for Fulfilling Life. Good morning, Susan. Hi. Hi. Thanks so much for calling in. Sure. From my old neck of the woods. I cannot believe that. <laughs> How's it, how is Brookline? I love it there. Well, it's great right now, sunny, gorgeous. Yes. Uh, everything's in bloom, you nice. know, this is what we crave in the winter. Right, right. Yes, if I call you in December, you'll say, not so good. Yes, I'll <laughs> be right there. <laughs> so tell me about your background, how you uh, became interested in autism. Well, um, my son, Nat, he's my oldest son, and he's 26 and has fairly severe autism, mm-hmm. and he was diagnosed at the age of three, and that's pretty much what got me interested in autism and educated in autism. Okay. And then your focus now is on adulthood. Right. Well, it starts with Nat, who's yes. an adult, right. <laughs> but also um, it seems like the country here is 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 very very unaware that that all of the autistic children that we've been hearing about for a few decades are aging out into adulthood right. so it's it's a it's a big issue it's a big topic let me back up a second uh, because i've i've met kids with autism on different levels and so how did you know at 3 that there was something up with nat um I, for me, I kind of um, sensed it almost immediately when he was born, mm-hmm. um, just that something wasn't quite um, right between us. And um, as he grew, we could we could just look at developmental checklists and see the um, the milestones that he was missing, mostly in the social arena, and and how he played um, was was kind of odd. And the, the older he got, the more he was around other kids who are. More typical, I could see that he um, he was growing up kind of different mm-hmm. and and wasn't um, as socially connected as as I expected. Right, right. I was actually just at a pool this weekend and I saw a girl with autism, and she had two other siblings, and they were engaging with her and they were playing catch. And I mean, it was a beautiful scene, you know. And but it, there, it comes in different levels, obviously. Yeah, different levels and and kind of um, different areas of strength and different areas of challenge. Mm-hmm. So, you, you know, when people say high-functioning autism or low-functioning, it's an easy way to categorize, but it's actually kind of a misnomer because of the the deficits that you can get at both ends of the spectrum. You know, you might be able to carry on a conversation and hold down a, a, a difficult uh, intellectual type of job, yes. but you might have great sens- sensory issues um, and even difficulty reading emotion and social um, interactions, I which, see. you know, that can lead to anxiety and depression also. Right. Right. So what you're saying is, if you you grow into adulthood, you get a job, all of a sudden something might trigger you and you get overwhelmed and, you know, by something and you flip out. Yeah, I mean, even if it's not, um, I mean, I think most of the time people with autism learn to cope and, 
as they get older, they, they learn not to and, and how not to, you know, to, to flip right. out. I mean, even my son, who has significant intellectual challenges, has learned so many great strategies in, in self-calming. But still, they, they, you know, they can't help but be overwhelmed in a way that might make them um, confused and withdrawn, maybe mm-hmm. unable to finish a task. Um, and then kind of go into maybe some self-stimulatory behavior like flapping or talking to themselves or rocking. Yes. You know, so that could get in the way of, of working unless you have an employer and, and colleagues who kind of get it and can, can sort of, you know, help by maybe getting things a little bit quieter, um, backing off a little bit, you know. I see. Um, even processing time. You know, helps mm-hmm. sometimes helps people figure out what to say and and get back to their line of thought. Okay, let me ask you: Did you focus in on Nat's diet? I mean, there are there things uh, people with autism should not eat. Um, so there's there aren't any like general rules, but I know lots of people. I mean, so both anecdotally and with some evidence, there, there's um, a lot of people who. Um, do better mm-hmm. in terms of focus, concentration, and, and even how they feel physically. With that, they do better with um, without gluten. That's what I heard. Um, yes. And and dairy in some cases. Mm-hmm. I think it's a good idea that if your child is presenting like with with symptoms or behaviors that seem odd or, or basically in distress and um, can't tell you, let's say they can't tell you what's wrong, it's, it's really a good idea to look into the, the gastrointestinal stuff. Yes. Um, and maybe it, it, the, these kinds of behaviors and, and feelings can be adjusted by diet. You know, it's interesting, and I bring that up because I went to a lecture uh, at a natural products expo, and they were talking about uh, ADHD and how if you take out gluten and you focus on what's going on in the gut, they show major improvements in learning. Yeah, it's just, it's not surprising. I mean, people who don't have these disabilities sometimes um, aren't even aware that they're, they're feeling a little bit lousy physically, mm-hmm. and there's something they can do in terms of diet or rest that, that helps, even yes. getting hydrated. Right. <laughs> you know, right. there's just, we're just not tuned into that. And yes. so the more we think in terms of, you know, mind and body, I think that we'll, we're all going to start doing better. And, and definitely people with autism who, who might not be able to articulate their discomfort, like my son, mm-hmm. well, he can't say if he's in pain. Oh, he so cannot. we sort of have to guess and observe. And I take him to the doctor four times or more a year. He, why can't he uh, determine if he has pain? Um, he has a real difficult time accessing words, I just see. Be, being verbal. And also there's, there's another piece to it. We're just initiating, um, initiating original language, just, you know, talking about himself mm-hmm. is just something he doesn't do naturally. It's yeah. just kind of... Um, he depends on others to tell him how the world works and even to tell him about himself. So that, that's one of the biggest challenges I have with him is just this, this sort of um, 
eternal passive nature he has. Right, right. I see. What does he do now? I mean, is he, does he hold down any kind of work? What are his relationships like? Um, he lives in an apartment not too far away from us with a caregiver who's close to his age. Okay. And he works a few days a week, one day a week on Meals, meals on Wheels, oh, yeah. and the other, other three days um, at a supermarket collecting shopping carts, mm-hmm. which is kind of perfect for him. Good, good. Well, I would think getting out of, you know, your surroundings and being in the community uh, and doing things is, is empowering. Yeah, and I think that just he has just so much energy to burn off. And, I mean, he's just a tall, skinny guy that's always on the move. I think anxiety is kind of his his base-level way of being. Yes. <laughs> and so being out there and walking around and putting things away and not having to talk to people, gotcha. it's kind of ideal for him. There was a young boy in our neighborhood that used to get into the pool. He'd actually climb over the fence, get jump in the pool with his shorts on, his T-shirt, and uh, his caregiver would come running after him. But he loved the water. He loved the feeling of splashing around and the sensation. Does your son have any kind of outlet he loves that relaxes him? Well, he certainly loves water, and, and we, we got him swimming lessons through Special Olympics really early on. Um, and so that kind of led to um, him being interested in, in other sports. Oh, good. And eventually led to him joining a basketball team and finally understanding the concept of friendship and relating. Oh, that's so just, nice. Just by playing, he kind of realized, oh, if I pay attention to that other person, mm-hmm. I'm going to get the ball, and I can take it and make a basket. You know, he, oh, it took that. a few years, but he made all these connections in his mind yes. about socializing, and it was just the best therapy ever. Sport, it, sports are really uh, a wonderful thing because you don't have to be great at something, but if you find the right you know, teammates and you open yourself up, uh, and you're accepted. It's not like he had, you know, like some schools you got to try out and it's competitive. But if you accept everyone in every level, uh, it becomes a great thing. It's true. And, and they have so many people on their team and so many ages that they're really actually able to organize into different levels of teams. And um, Nat ha- is there with, with teammates who are close to his age mm-hmm. and close to his level of ability. So it's it's actually just really um, symbiotic and uh, and That's effective great. for them to play their best. You know, everyone feels like they're, they're trying it. their hardest and, you know, they don't feel, um, they don't feel too out of their league. Because even though they have communication and social issues, they're still understanding stuff yeah. that's going on around them. Sure, sure. Now, you talk about uh, you know, the healthcare crisis for adults with autism. Could you share a little bit about your insight into that? Yeah, I found that there really were very few um, specialists in um, in any of the adult in any of the fields um, of of medicine. Um, specialists in autism and adulthood. Right these days, it was all pediatric neurologists and pediatric psychologists that we were using, and often what happens is they let their patients just continue to go to them into their adulthood because there's no one out there who's specifically trained in autism and adulthood and and how to approach and work with 
these kinds of patients. That's so really there's a huge need yes. for a new kind of training in that in those fields. I I can't believe it's almost like they're igno- ignored as adults. I mean, they're growing up. They have different kinds of needs. They can't go to the same doctor for the rest of their lives. It's true, but I think that in general society keeps coming to that um that problem because autism seems to be relatively new on all of our radar screens largely because these people were not in the population until kind of in the 80s and 90s. They, they were always here but not visible because of institutions um, and all sorts of misdiagnoses. Uh, you know, what I didn't ask earlier is, do you, you most likely do, have an opinion about why perhaps Nat was born with autism or, or why other kids are getting autism? Um. Yeah, my, mostly what I have learned um, through research and, and getting to know people with autism is that be, because it's now such a huge spectrum, it's just diagnosed at, at such um, minute levels mm-hmm. that you, you do have a wider group of people who, who have been identified as having some form of autism. So there's, there's more because of the broad diagnosis there's also more because of inclusion, mm-hmm. um, you know, like the federal education law, you know, saying that, that people with disabilities must be educated in the public schools. So mm-hmm. instead of having to go to a private school or an institution or nowhere, you know, since the um, 80s and 90s, you've had people like my son in the schools. Right. Yeah. Well, I know some people talk about immunizations causing autism. Yes, some people do, and it has been largely disproven. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not to say that, I mean, there's always people who, who will get vaccine injuries. You know, they, right. they even warn you about that in the doctor's office. You have to sign something that says that you know that there's a possibility that there might be some kind of reaction. Yes. Um, but in terms of the relationship with autism, that has been disproven. Interesting. It, I mean, is it, it, could it also be a genetic thing? Because I know ADHD, ADD, that can be genetic. Yes, they're definitely saying it's genetic and neurological mm-hmm. um, and that it's not something that can be reversed or cured, but certainly the right kind of education um, and exposure to, to the typical world um, in a consistent and repetitious way can really make a difference in, in how someone learns. Mm-hmm. Someone with autism can learn and progress and feel more comfortable out there with with typical people. That's great. Now, you also mentioned there are a number of cottage industries um, coming up nationwide to create employment. Could you talk about that? Yeah, that that was one of the most exciting um, aspects of writing this book. Um, it was just finding out what other people have done to provide employment opportunities and jobs for their guys, That's for their great. autistic loved ones. You know, given that the the current employment situation is, is difficult enough. Right. You know, so someone with a, with a profound disability or social issues can really have a hard time getting a job out there. Yes. But, you know, the, the um, families that I was talking to, so many of them were, were very creative in what they came up with. And 
I remember one dad in particular, he just, just by really knowing what his son's passions were, in this case, Legos, putting okay. together Legos um, from, from the directions and, and any kind of Lego um, toy, any yes. kind of sculpture, anything, um, he had become an expert in putting together Legos. So as an adult, the dad created a business where his son goes into houses and assembles Ikea furniture. Oh, my gosh, that's great. <laughs> so this is what I mean. <laughs> I was just finding these really creative yes. um, little businesses that were, were doing pretty well. Well, and those are great parents because they're in tune to what would empower my child, what would make them feel good and give them something to do with a purpose, you know. It's great. You have to kind of be involved at that level. It, it really is a, 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 a very consuming full-time job having a child with a disability or, you know, with special needs and, and autism, definitely. Yes. Um, so, you know, you have, instead of kind of giving up or waiting for someone to tell you, here's what to do, it's so much better if parents can sort of say, well, I know, I know my kid. I know what he likes. I can, and I can yes. figure it out with him, and then use the, whatever funding sources are out there to create this this um, occupation for him and this living situation. I don't have to just kind of keep him at home with nothing to do. Right. Right. Well, I remember reading this book in graduate school by Howard Gardner that I think it was called "The Seven Different Intelligences." Um, and it talks about how, you know, obviously not everybody is good at everything. You might have a artistic intelligence or, you know, mathematical or whatever it is. It's, it's interesting to try to learn to that strength. It's true. And, and there's like a down, down the street from us, right in Brookline Village, there's a, um, there's Gateway Crafts. It's, it's an actual, um, day program for people with intellectual and developmental disabilities, but it's oh, also an great. art gallery. And, and these um, participants in the program make beautiful jewelry and designs and, and sculptures and sell them. That is great. And, yeah, so there's, there's that kind of thing popping up all over the place. Now, you mentioned how, you know, some people think, oh, can autistic people be dangerous? But that it, it's actually the antithesis. They're actually more likely to be harassed and bullied. Yeah, I mean, that is definitely the truth. They are so much more often on the other end of the um, bullying and abuse. That's just, it's just so common, um, for one thing, because if, if you don't understand social conventions, you know, you're definitely putting yourself out there as a mark um, or a victim for, for, you know, people who might take advantage of you and talk you out of your money, and you might not realize that this guy's not really a friend at all. Um, you know, especially if you're if you're very literal and trusting, sure. and and can't read social situations that well. Mm -hmm. It almost sounds like there should be workshops for these kids as they get older uh, about some certain skills uh, to have in society. There really should be that kind of workshop. Um, it's unfortunate that your education ends at age twenty one or twenty two mm -hmm. around the country because so often. Our guys with autism are they're developmentally delayed, <laughs> which means yeah. they might not really be ready to learn until they're done with school. Right. And then there isn't something out there that is specifically for them and those kinds of issues, except there's pockets here and there where there's um, programs. In fact, UCSB 
has okay. a really good um, program for working with adults, young adults with autism. But there's nothing really on the East Coast? I mean, there are here and there. There's and there. Um, there's day programs, yeah. but we need things at the community colleges. Yes, um, we we need thing we need programs, you know, offered offered by the um, autism support centers that focus on autistic adults and what they need to know, all the survival issues. That's amazing. Uh, you, know, uh, you know, I didn't even get to touch on your book. We, we obviously, we did a little, but um, can you give me a little bit more um, insight into your book? Um, the, the way I wrote the book was, was by organizing it thematically so that you can kind of delve in almost anywhere, um, you know, in terms of what you're looking for. So if, if you're looking for um, job strategies, insights into work, there's a chapter on that. Or if you're thinking about a living situation that you might want to create or find, mm -hmm. there's a chapter on that with role models. I, I tried to find people out there who are already succeeding, no matter where on the spectrum they were, um, who already had successful, happy lives and who were willing to, to share with me their story. So as, along with our story, my son and my family, I tried to find other families who had learned things along the way and could maybe give some helpful tips and just be role models for the, the um, families coming in. Uh, I actually, if I don't, you don't mind me interrupting, I got a question from a listener, Robert. Um, he said he understands you attended a state dinner at the White House in honor of Special Olympics in 2006. What was it like being there? Was it your first time at the White House? <laughs> it was my first time, and I hope it wasn't my only time. But, um, <laughs> yes, it, it was an amazing night, and it, I felt like I was in a fairy tale, basically. Oh, um, there were all these people there that I wanted to talk to and find out about. There were um, Special Olympics athletes who were representing Special Olympics worldwide oh, and, y you know, who could tell me their stories and how they got to where they are. And, you know, that was incredibly inspiring, thinking about my own son and yes. what he might be able to do. There were also legislators and, you know, U.S. senators, and I kept hoping I could get the ear of someone, you know, but it was also supposed to be a party. Yes. <laughs> so there was also just trying to enjoy myself among all these famous people. <laughs> You're probably thinking, pinch me, am I really here? That's true, yeah. You know? Oh, that's great. Do you have uh, advice for moms that have teens with autism? Um, maybe they're facing some challenging times. Maybe some resources, if there's a website somewhere. Um, sure. Um, I think that parents with teens really need to start planning as soon as they possibly can. Not get scared about that. Don't panic, but really start to learn the jargon. Um, learn a few things about the, the funding streams and programs offered on the federal level. Um, just by going to a workshop like a few times a year. Yes. Um, you know, don't overwhelm yourself, but give yourself time to process. And in terms of resources, I think the Autistic Self-Advocate Network, um, that's A-S-A-N, okay. um, they have some terrific um, advice and resources for 
how to learn how to navigate the world as a as an autistic adult. It's it's written. It's all run and written uh, by people on the autism spectrum. Oh, good. And there's also um, just g- generally the arc of the U.S. has really terrific um, resources uh, and and will really educate you about the laws and the programs in a really accessible way. And I do want to add, because I see you're not tooting your own horn, (laughs) that you have two other books, Making Peace with Autism and The Autism Mom Survivor Guide. You're right. Um, So my other two books are also um, resources more for the younger younger years, but my um, survival guide does go into... Transition age okay. for autism, you know, high school, and also I do talk to other families in that book too, just about how they manage to have a life given the challenges of autism. Yes, were there times when you felt? I'm sure it's probably a dumb question. Completely overwhelmed. You didn't know where to turn to. Um, just this past weekend. Oh. In fact. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, that one, it's not at all a joke. I mean, it's actually true that, that there are, are times that, where it still comes to me um, that I, I'm not really sure if I'm doing it right. Yes. And I, I'm thankful that I, I can talk to someone about this. In my case, my husband, okay. sometimes my parents, yeah. um, just to kind of get a reality check and, and, and refocus on what's important. Mm-hmm. And what's important is, is he happy and is he safe? Good. Yes, those two things. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Susan, it's been great talking to you. Do you have a website where people can go to find out more about you? I do. It's SusanSenator.com. Okay. And are you on Facebook or Instagram or any of those other places? Facebook and Twitter. It's just at Susan Senator. Um, and I try to tweet pretty regularly, several times a day. And my Facebook page is Susan Senator. And I put up a lot of articles of my own and other people's um, programs that are happening and legislative progress, all that stuff. That is great. Susan, it's been a pleasure talking to you. I want to thank you so much for calling in. You too. Thank you. You're so welcome. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. That was Susan Senator calling in to talk about autism adulthood, autism adulthood, strategies and insights for fulfilling life. And she does have two other books that I mentioned, which are Making Peace with Autism and The Autism Mom Survival Guide. If you missed any part of today's show, it will be up on my blog within an hour after I wrap. And the blog is getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org. We're going to take a quick break. And then we're going to be joined by TV and film composer, musician, and producer, Megan Cavallari. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine.